Hi folks, I'm Alan Watt and this is Cutting Through the Matrix on the 31st of March 2019. The snow outside is still pretty deep, but at least it's beginning to thaw a bit and sink a bit. And I hope, in fact, and we all hope in this area, that we don't have too quick a thaw, because then you get flooding like crazy. Where I am in the country, you have culverts underneath roads, especially the dirt roads, and they get washed out if it's too much of a fast thaw, especially when you're in a bit of a valley. (laughs) It's coming down the hills as well on both sides. But uh, that's the way it is, and hopefully I'll... I'll be getting a bit healthier weather soon because now it's so damp, so incredibly damp. And I think everyone around has got bronchial problems, as we all know, uh, through, from different reasons, of course. I always think about the incredible geoengineering, which you can find lots of articles from the universities that are participating in the studies and so on. Even before they really started to spray, back in the 90s, they talked about the, the, the different effects it would have on humanity with ill effects in the lungs and so on different age groups, too young and old, and those with compromised or asthmatic systems or something. So you really are seeing it, of course, in this day and age. And it's astonishing. I mean, I remember when I was really small, pretty small, really, I mean, really small, looking at different statements that came out into newspapers. And one of them was to do with with the theme. Today we'll have memes and themes, but back then it was more of a theme and how it was to do with the politicization of medicine, for instance. There's an example where they'd have their fads. And you don't, they, they, those organizations that push themselves as being scientific really do have fads. And yet we're all getting trained to just go along with the present fads. And back then it was the same too. And when anybody back in Scotland at that time, and I'm sure most of England too, with the National Health Service, got a sore throat around the age of four or five or whatever it was, you, you were pretty well booked into the hospital and you had your tonsils and your adenoids whipped out just like that. And the theory at that time was because evolution was kicking in, you see, you know, well, we're just dead, descended from the apes. And, and because we're walking upright instead of walking on all fours, your sinuses get blocked, you get infections, and it goes down into your throat, etc., etc. So the answer was to just whip them out. And it was the same for appendix, of course. Oh, it's a vestige left over from, from, from prehistoric times, pretty well. Uh, it's amazing how they just come out with this rubbish, you know? Really? I mean, you've got no proof of anything, really, except, hey, uh, this little gland here, or whatever, has, has got an infection in it. Uh, that's what you have to treat. But when it comes down, well, you don't need these things anymore because you've evolved. Uh, and now everyone, of course, they got the problem, got them all whipped out. And your tonsils and your adenoids are very prone now to all kinds of bronchial infections because it was one of your first lines of defense. It caught the problem, and hopefully, and most of the times, it could actually deal with it with a good immune system. It was almost like a trap, and a good chunk of your immune system was, was taken away when they took them out. <laughs> you forget that, too. But yeah, the so-called scientists go through amazing fads and... That's just the way it is with them. And, and when you get politicized and, and, and so manipulative politicized events happening and themes and all the rest of it, especially to do with control and social control and global control and, and the founder enemy to bring humanity together, of course, just they, they did away with the alien one that Lester B. Pearson talked about and uh, because that's what they're hoping for. They, they churned out so many sci-fis. I've been thinking about that this all week. So many sci-fis, way back in the 40s and 50s, 
where nobody really was into anything like that. But they, they churned them out like crazy. And that started to give folk the idea, well, it's maybe plausible. It's maybe plausible, but they couldn't pull it off. They couldn't get the technology to, to simulate a full-scale invasion pretty well. And so they hit on the idea that a global warming, famine, and the like, and pestilence and plagues and so on, that would fit the bill, you see, at the Club of Rome. It's quite fascinating because just before that, they had, for in the 60s, 1960s, early 60s, you had really cold weather and deep winters. For We get these, this is normal, back and forth like that, it's normal. And, and you can get 10, 15 years of really cold winters, you know, it would be a bit milder for another few years, just up and down, you see. We're not in a clockwork universe at all. And they really banked at the time on the coming ice age. And all the big ones, they were pushing eugenics for the same group, actually, the Club of Rome. <laughs> and they had Paul Ehrlich with a population bomb. That was all tied together, completely tied together. Too many people, and there'll be even more too many people down the road. Therefore, how do you deal with it now? Well, we've got to have an enemy, people are the enemy, and therefore let's start taking over control of what people do and take away their choices of what they do, and then you can direct the future. That's the idea. And Ehrlich's, I think it was Paul Ehrlich's wife, I think she was on the board, the actual board of the Club of Rome as well. And when that didn't pan out, then they hit upon the global warming idea. Well, that, that, that's kind of died off in the West and a lot of countries too. So it's just turned to climate change. It's just like, how's the weather today? That's good enough. That's how we're manipulated with these, these agendas. And, and there are definite agendas. And everybody involved, and, and I can see their point. You can see the point, of course. Everybody involved in working together and planning the future, who churned out the books on it, from, from eugenics all the way down to Julian Huxley at UNESCO and his brother Aldous Huxley. Aldous Huxley was quite open about the fact that was his biggest worry in the future was overpopulation. And everybody in his class and his ilk were, were of the same mindset, of course. Hasn't changed. And during World War II, they had a meeting in, in London, and the king presided at the time before he died over it. At the time, they weren't killing enough in war. Like Bertrand Russell said, you know, hasn't killed enough off. If only could have plagues every so often, it would make you a publish. That's what he said, Bertrand Russell, this wonderful hero of eugenics and uh, socialism. But... Folk don't stop to think what they're hearing sometimes. And many folk at the bottom actually agree with them, not realising that just because you have a little flag that you wave for whatever party you join, it means that you're going to get spared either, because George Bernard Shaw said the same thing, didn't he? You'll have to come to us and explain why we should keep you alive when we're in control. Literally, you know. See, you're taking up the world's resources. Hmm? And you got all these articles, oh, each child, and statistics, and so on, each child that's born will, will consume so much of this and that and that and that, be, and so much will be necessities just to stay alive, and other ones will be not necessities, but it's what they want, and, and they have all these st- statistics, etc. what we are, we're all costing the planet. As you turn everything into what? Into energy, because that's, that's the real currency, is energy. And that's why you're seeing all the talk about energy and, and cost of energy. It's also to do with everything that you need to live. Not just heat and cooling or whatever, or keeping your, your meat cold in the fridge, or your vegetables, whatever it happens to be. It's also to do with what you're consuming, you see. Your cost of the planet in energy terms. And that's where everything eventually, they hope, 
And I can see it coming. I, I, I don't think there's anything they plan, the big boys plan, or the big panels, the United Nations and UNESCO, that they cannot do. That there is, given enough time, enough propaganda, total control of the school system and for indoctrination. As Jack C. Lull said, you've got to indoctrinate the early part from early years, and then subsequent propaganda will take very well with them. They won't question it. And he, he was a, a hero, Jack C. Lull, of even Kissinger. He put out accolades about him, and he simply knew his stuff as a real philosopher, and he knew human nature, and he knew the history. And they knew how folk could be manipulated into following a certain path. It's quite easy. And all, all tyrants in the past have gone for the school system. First, it's so imperative that you get to school and you get young children. Russell said it himself in one of his books. He says, he says we used to, now we, I love the we part. Who's the we? We used to, to think that we'd have to take children from the parents at birth and have the state rear them and collective nurseries, basically. And they did try that in some countries, by the way, for those who don't know that. But he, he said, we found, if we get the children young enough, through scientific indoctrination, he said, then the children can, be, can go to school, they can get their indoctrination in school, come back to the home, and because of scientific indoctrination at school, any input by parents will be completely ignored. It will not take... It won't take with a child. So therefore the state can give them the, their, their culture and their belief systems and their education. And the parent will simply be an economic supporter. They'll pay for everything. That's what he said. And that's what's happened, isn't it? For those who can't stand back and see it. You understand, you don't need things to be spoken at times. As you go through it and you live through it, you take it for granted. And all the studies that show today, very few people... Actually, there's even fewer and fewer people, as I say, that are actually parents, like, together for any real length of time. But the, most of them, if, if, they, if, there's, if there's parents there, uh, the children go off and do their own thing as soon as they uh, get into the home. They've all got their own internet system they're, uh, in their rooms, their TVs, uh, the channels in their rooms, uh, uh, and so are the parents. So everybody goes and does their own thing. So true enough, the parents generally tend to be economic providers. And the state gives them their value, their, their new value system is drastically different from, say, grandparents. Parents now are already so far along the road that they accept the changes much quicker. It, it's, it's all a formula, but it's, and it's not speculation on my part. This is from their own journals and so on I'm talking about, and psychology, etc., and behaviorism and sociology. It's all done. Uh, the, the piles of data, especially now with internet and constant data collection from, from thousands of sources, uh, is astronomical. And, and it's pretty precise once they have it all in, in every individual. And they can predict pretty well most of the things you're going to do in life. They, they really can. Even, even the, the question mark factors... For instance, you might have a, a, a gene that will come to the surface and you'll go towards alcoholism, for instance, or, or you're, you're really into the, to the cannabis and more so than other people. And don't forget, there are people, there are addicts to different things. Some are addicted to, to alcohol and some of the folk with alcohol don't even touch cannabis, vice versa, and other ones will do both. 
So there are addicts, and they can actually equate that into, or put into the equation, their personality types, even down to when it might hit them, and it'll affect their performance in life and, and so on. It's quite interesting, where everyone's categorised and put into little slots, basically. And every day, more data is added as you put up your data up online, etc. Or even if you look at different things online. I mean, they say that YouTube is one of the biggest uh, collector of data for those who are analysing you according to what you watch. And right down to the algorithms that decide, well, they watch this, therefore maybe they'll watch it. And they keep all that stuff down the side there, expecting you to watch it. They don't really give you a choice eventually. They're deciding for you what they think you should. Well, you can imagine how they can guide you <laughs> along. And when you realise too that even articles you look up, people who looked up this also looked at that, you're being guided along a certain path. And... Maybe some people think that's great, I don't know. It's trying to analyse you, and it's deciding what you, you might want to watch. On the other hand, it might want you to watch something else if, uh, if you're being a test subject. They do have test subjects, you understand that. And test subjects don't know they're test subjects, or, as they say, that which has been experimented upon will alter what it's doing, because it knows it's being observed. That's basic science. So you, you, they don't let you know if you're being experimented on. However, they could certainly send you data, couldn't they? Make you paranoid and have you follow through with some crazy data. That's true as well. And, and all the way you're being studied, of course. I remember years ago looking at articles put up by the Pentagon of the U.S. And it's, again, whatever the U.S. does, everybody else is doing it at the same time pretty well. But they did say that they had different kinds of viruses they could send live online and, and alter. They actually said, and whether it's true or not, they could actually kill somebody. The idea being that, and we don't, again, it's, it's so clever and, and, and weaponization of things, how you can study things, again, you'll take for granted and you won't think of. You take the the pixels in the computer, and it said that by sending little clusters of pixels and colors and so on, they can literally break through uh, the visual input that you have and go to different parts of the brain like a program. Uh, just by manipulation of certain pixels, etc., to the side of your direct pupil, the center of your pupil, and things like that, and, and swirl them around or whatever it happens to be. And consciously, we, you'll be kind of oblivious of it, but they say they could actually program you. And it is true that for, for your, when your heart's beating, the initial beat comes, the, the signal for your beat comes from, that, from your brain. That's what happens in heart attack. Often in heart attack, you, you'll find that that, that that little nerve there to the heart uh, gets damaged. And the signal doesn't get through, but the heart will go into automatic block it calls. We'll beat it about 40 beats a minute to try to keep you alive until, you know, you can get hospitalization or whatever. Anyway, that's getting off the topic. The fact is, they claimed they could actually stop your heart in certain cases. And uh, now I'm sure the very fact they said it, even if they hadn't done it, <laughs> uh, it if they tried to do some um, breast beating to, to the rest of the world, how great they were. I'm sure that that got the rest of the world motivated right away to try it. And so we'll never know if these things are successful or not. I do know, and so do the, the, the studies out there, that the internet definitely is affecting our minds, for sure. Maybe our psychology as well, like all data does. And today we have 
so much data getting thrown at us, most of it uh, nonsense or just trivialities or, or even repetition. Uh, but it, it reminds me, actually, this week, again, of the same articles you would see when they were doing studies about television and how much television per week that children were consuming and how it was affecting their performance at school and in life in general. That We know, too, for instance, that the children, if they're given a lot of TV, especially unrestricted television, will throw off the old, the old rules of social interaction in, in different sexual ways, for instance. And they might be, they might be more promiscuous or more, more hyper-addicted, in, in a sense, to something which is a drive. Drives like eating. Well, well actually, necessities like eating or sexual drives and so on can be highly, highly, music highly addictive, obviously, and hypersexualized, especially, very easy to do, with a constant repetition of the same kind of things over and over and over on the brain. It's understood, and it's not healthy, because, again, we're getting off the topic, but I thought she'd really say it before I do forget it. The same thing with the internet, because there's so much pornography out there on the internet, and children have access to it. If, if a child in the home doesn't know how to do it, somebody at school is going to show them very quickly on, on their iPhone or wherever it happens to be. And they all have their phones, isn't it? But you, you got to also remember an article I put out a few years back, and it was, it was from uh, a Canadian newspaper about a Canadian psychiatrist who worked with the prison inmates for, that have sexual problems. And he had to quit, and he had a, it's an awfully good article. And he, he admitted, he said, that the stuff they're showing the prisoners, for instance, uh, repeat offenders on, on that type of sex and all kinds of things, he says affects affected him as well until it's affecting his relationship in the family. And what it is, it becomes addictive to you. And you'll, you'll have these odd thoughts, it'll just jump in your head at the wrong times and dominate the rest of your thoughts for, for maybe for an hour, for the day, whoever it happens to be. Or until perhaps you act out on them. And then it's destructive, you see. So there are certain things that, that all generations, going way back in the dawn of history, have always known. Certain things had to have rules, or you had chaos. Personal chaos, family chaos, and even tribal chaos. They didn't have welfare systems back then. They had, it's only recently you have any welfare system. And people were, were really counted on to decide what they want to do. And if they had made the wrong decisions, you took the consequences. That, that included male and female uh, for pregnancy. And then, so they would get hitched up and look after the child because the, the tribe didn't have, as I say, extra welfare. They couldn't look after extra, extra, extra. So that, that whole point was always pushed and promoted. And, of course, mistakes will always happen. But even then, at least the tribe would often take care of them, of the effects and excess children. But everything in the past was done for a reason, naturally. If you had chaos, chaos, you'd never get out of chaos. You'd either perish long ago as a people. And basic rules develop because... And the taboos about different things develop too because certain things are detrimental to the unit and to the, to the tribe. Of course they are. But, but on television and, and children and, and the internet and so on, it, it truly is, especially now, <laughs> the whole, the whole, we're living in an era where there's so much pretense 
about how free we really are. Huh? Uh, but are we really? We're living in the most surveilled society that's ever existed. And it's getting worse all the time because they're putting more and more money out on more surveillance, even deeper surveillance. And any rights that you, you had are pretty well gone long ago because of all the stuff that's happening. And anything is, is left, you won't have that either. Right now, it's, it's kind of semi-voluntary to even take out what they call um, loyalty cards at, at grocers and things like that. And the look upon you is crazy now, and no time at all, a few years, and now you're crazy if you don't have one. What's wrong with you? And every other store you go into, it's the same thing too. So you're being, you're being nudged out of, of making your own decisions in order to be accepted by those around you, obviously. And it's all understood by the, by the nudge groups that, that I've mentioned before, that you have an international group of, of professors and, and behaviorists and psychologists working to nudge you and make what they call the right decisions about everything, including what you think about different things too, without you knowing about it. So you're going to treat all information and those little devices that bring information to you and, and take it away from you too, and your information away from you, you're going to treat them all uh, very carefully. Because there's way more than you just having fun somewhere and deciding what you want to do on that machine. As I say, TV was bad enough. Uh, and TV, again, brought in a, a, a eventually towards the end especially a very debased culture. That's what they show. I'll tell you, I put out the links ages ago on Adam Curtis. He put awfully good documentaries out there to do with how the TV industry and radio industry in Britain, for instance, used to put out very staid, patriotic kind of stuff. And it's all really propaganda. Like, Elal said the same thing. Elal said that anything to do with police, police or hospitals and healthcare, that you watch in a drama format is pure propaganda to make you really believe in it all. That's what, what it is there for and so on. You've got to go back to the communists. Stalin was very open about the role of the police and the role of the military. They could also work alongside them. It's just to keep total power over the people. You've got to have these organizations to keep power over them. Not to control, just to control, but keep power over them. That's the reason. And he also said teachers too. You couldn't get keep the system together and indoctrinate the people without getting them as children. And the teachers were awfully good. And that was really their function, was indoctrination. But all information that's put out there for, uh, for, for little documentaries and entertainment by the BBC at one time was, was pure propaganda. And uh, Curtis had showed you little shows like Dixon, uh, of Doc Green, Sergeant Dixon. That was his weekly show. It was a, it was a drama. And he was a really good guy, no matter what happened. He'd be awfully lenient to young people and things like that. And, and, but he, he, he'd, you know, he'd go after the bad guys, etc. So you had things like that happening all the time. And then you had programs in Britain and other, other stations, when they eventually got other stations coming in, to do with uh, emergency ward 10, what happened in the hospital. And that made you obedient to, to, the, to the staff, and it made you worship the doctors. That's, what, that's the function of it. <laughs> And like Bertrand Russell said, everyone will believe that the best healthcare system in the world because the government keeps telling you so. Hmm? But yeah, so, so Curtis went through that. Then he went through the change into the 60s because they, they, they decided to alter the culture 
uh, reduce the family unit and the power of the family and promote promiscuity. That's what, that's what the, the sexual revolution was about, for those who don't quite get it. It didn't happen by itself. Yeah, it, was, it was literally promoted from the top, from the top, down, through all entertainment from the top. And in Britain, especially in the BBC, so it was a government institution run by the people from Eton and Cambridge and so on, for the government. So I'm sure every other country went the same way at the same time, with the same format, you see. So getting back, number one, you create a problem by by promiscuity, you, you, but it's not a problem, is it? You're reducing marriage because the more sex people have with different partners, the less chance will be of staying with a partner to have children. It does it very well. You also brought in abortions because you had to deal with the fallout from un- unwanted pregnancies, which became very common, and so on and so on. And at the same time, you, you put out a music like Bob Dylan uh, telling the parents to uh, don't stand in a hallway, you know, Get out of the way, basically. Uh, the times are changing. That was a revolutionary song, uh, supposedly coming from 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 young people, supposedly to to the older generation and the adults. Get out of the way. You can't criticize what you can't understand. Think about the wording of all that kind of stuff, huh? Meanwhile, all the children were depending on their parents for for money and uh, and everything else. Because the children dictate to the parents. And they've rapidly changed society. And I've mentioned it many times, even the last little while, about psychology. And why do you think marketers uh, use psychologists and behaviorists to sell products? Because they understand human nature and they understand the different milestones that even children go through all the way up to adulthood. And that's why all the candies stuck on the checkout counter in checkout stores and supermarkets and so on. Because the child's going through, they, they know through all countless tests that mums and dads or anybody with children are anxious in a, in, when you're in a line. You, because of a natural tendency, you don't want to be in the way and hold up a line behind you. And the child will start acting up as they grab the candy. It's all within their reach. And you'll automatically pay for it. Okay, then, just to get out of that, that line up in a way rather than cause a fuss. Psychology, 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 you see. Well, that's what sex is when you say to young folk, when they're just burst into the hormonal range, go and have sex and do what you want. And the state will take care of any problems for you, and any, even any fallout from diseases. And if they, they can treat the disease, they will, you see. So you, children, it's, it's like candy to, to children, isn't it? That's what they give them. And out of it, they hope, literally, they can do the same across the whole world. Because they're awfully successful with experiments across Europe, very successful as the country's population start to plummet. And they keep incredible data, awfully accurate data every, everywhere on population reduction from the, the native populations, on marriages even, and, and all the other programs are brought in too. So uh, different types of groups won't have children at all. The children are coming out of school, putting out slogans, like, like uh, you find that that's what Lenin said, that we shall win by slogans. Everything today is a slogan, you'll notice. And, and so they're, they're probably don't eat meat and, uh, and also don't get married. You know, no children, no children, save the planet, sustainability. And 
It's all mantras, it's all these little slogans that they've got that are given to by adults, of course. So the future's already planned for them. But here we live in a society we, and we pretend that we have rights. And we pretend we're in democracies. I've never seen in, in a so-called democratic country the people's advice, advice taken. I've never seen it happen or even what they want to happen uh, in a vote. I can remember when the United Nations came out with the super cities idea. They want us all into super cities according to this governmental system called the UN that we don't vote for. And they wanted to amalgamate all rural areas and towns and so on. They used to manage themselves awfully well because only in your area, the you who live there, know what it really needs done, right? Uh, and the further it gets away from that power gets away from you, the less likely you're going to even get noticed down the road with your complaint. Just like the EU Parliament, it doesn't even see the other countries, really. And so they, they amalgamated lots of countries, and in Toronto was the same in Canada. And they put, actually gave out a vote out for, for, for people who really objected. They didn't want to lose their little areas and little places and place names and so on, and to be into some a huge, incredible, again, centralized system, Marxism again, for the economists and, and, and those who run capitalism. <laughs> it's all one thing, folks. And they gave them a vote, and it came out over, pretty overwhelmingly that, that, that to leave it as it was. And so the councillors down in Toronto, Queen's Park and all the rest of them, uh, local politicians and that they said, "Well, we know we gave it to you and all that, but but we we, we can't really follow through with it. We're going to go ahead and, and basically ignore your your vote because we didn't have to give it to you anyway. That, that's what they said in the papers anyway. We we didn't have to give it to you anyway, so it doesn't matter." <laughs> and they ignored it. Something like the Brexit thing too in the UK, because you you truly are living through big global agendas, and they are global, obviously. Because what happens in one country generally happens uh, across the planet at the same time in other countries, even though all the different laws they keep changing. In fact, it's mandatory that you adapt to the, the, the changes that happen, say, in Canada and the U.S. before it happens anywhere else. It's mandatory. Across the world, you must adapt and, and do the same thing. You can't get a loan from the, the World Bank without going along with a bunch of demands and social changes. Uh, that's how it's used today. And it's not to do with just giving food to the poor across the planet. It's, it's implementing social changes. They have the people across the planet shaking their heads like, what? What? So you're already in, in, under a form of governance, as I say. But nothing happens by itself. There's nothing, honestly, <laughs> you can do electronically that isn't just uh, monitoring you. i got to laugh to an extent at, at this incredible... Uh, brush with China and Canada and the U.S. over Huawei, the company, electronics company and communications company from China, because all the top companies, and Intelis too, have used modules and so on from, from that company. And it was okay up until now, really pretty well, until the U.S. started to get a bit of a spat going with China. And they've got the thing with the China Sea now, and China's influence, etc., over there, interfering with with the U.S. over there too. You know, everybody's like that old song. Love that song. Everybody wants to rule the world. It's good to play that every just to remind you what's going on. And all sides are, are, are doing it. But remember that China was built by the West. For those who can remember, it's not it's not ancient history. This 
through the 90s, uh, up through the trade deals that were all signed through the GATT treaties and different treaties and World Trade Organization, they, they brought China up to full blast as a manufacturer for the planet pretty well. Just like Karl Marx talked about having one country make all the, the top goods for it, you know, even one factory for this, one factory for all shoes in the world, and one factory. That was that was a Marxist communist idea. So the big the big boys, the the, the CFR, Royal Institute for International Affairs, they're behind all the, the the big moves to to bring the world together into one system and to rule it. By the way, and who talk about the invisible government, which is their members across the planet including the Trilateral Commission as well, who are the real technocrats. But anyway, they, they, they built China. We gave them the money. We, 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 we in the West, watched our factories melt away as they were uprooted, and we paid for them to move to China under the treaty. And I lived through it. I watched factories close down one after another. I even knew folk in them who jumped. Sometimes they moved to three factories over a period of about five months, and they'd all close down, boom, boom, boom. And they'd be moved to China. And we paid. We paid the companies and corporations to move to China. And we paid for, for what they would claim might be losses as they set up there and got into full-swing manufacturing. We guaranteed to pay them for 15 years. They'd have tax-free benefits too over in China. Uh, and if they claimed that they still hadn't made what they thought they would have made if they stayed in the country, the original country, we'd give them tax-free for another 15 years and more, more help too financially. We paid for all that as we were left unemployed. I remember it very well. And we've got to remember that not everybody is meant to, to work on computers For me, uh, computers are boring things I, I really don't want to get into the whys and wherefores And hows it works I really don't care how it works, honestly It's a machine And if you can do the basic things that I need it to do That's good enough for me And I said years ago That the only reason I got one eventually Was because people asked me to do, the sh- do a show That's the only, only reason I, hadn't, I didn't have one up until then because I know what it is, and I enjoy a good book. I enjoy the ability to go through a book and contemplate what I've just read and walk about and think about it, you see. I don't need to just go through distraction after distraction after distraction, click, 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 as I'm being profiled, you see. That's for me personally. And, of course, it's a great boon for people in business because... They made it impossible to exist today without having them and doing it for business. See, your choices are being taken away. That's right. That shouldn't be, you know. If you're free, you have choices and things. And they're being taken away bit by bit by a definite program, by, by as quickly said, the new feudal system will be the CEOs of international corporations. That's the system they were bringing in, said quickly. And they all meet at the World Economic Forum. We didn't set that up either. Uh, we probably put funding towards it a bit, yeah, through our, through our money from countries. And they, they really constitute the, the, the big mechanism today, along with the big foundations working in the WF and planning and working the future and training children and future leaders and so on. They probably are one of the biggest ones out there running the show. Your governments go along to them, and we don't elect them in, as I say, those, those systems. And all the CEOs of corporations attend. Well, here you are. The feudal system. The feudal system. 
and no one wants to think about it. And again, I keep jumping back to some of the excellent seers of their time who were quite dead on about the future. And that was Aldous Huxley, Brave New World, and George Orwell with uh, 1984. And really, 1980, and Animal Farm too, where he predicted a world in Animal Farm. So much of it's coming to, to, to true right now, by the way. Read the actual book. Don't just look at uh, the, the cartoons and stuff. Read the book, and you'll find all the things he said would happen. And here they are today, yeah. If you understand it all, analogies, etc. Now, don't think either that I'm bitching about something and bemoaning the loss of the past. The past really, as I've said before, had its good and its bad points, but really it was also a horror show for most people, I think, for most folk, especially where I lived. And it was always tension. People didn't know even then if there'd be work again. Britain had been through countless wars. That's what they used the people for, countless wars. And they'd been literally starved from the early 1900s through World War One and through the Great Depression and into World War Two. And rationing continued up until the 1950s. And the folk, you can see it in the generations what happened to them. Ill and sick and all the rest of it. That was a horror show. And, and plus they signed deindustrialization pacts with Eisenhower and others. And of course, the Royal Institute for International Affairs was all in the act. And Germany was to be set up as industrial power for, for this new idea for Europe, all quietly and secretively. They admit this now, that so much of it was done in secret from the public were not to know that this economic trading deal wasn't just a trading deal, but it was to eventually unify the whole, all the countries. Isn't that awful? These democracies, eh? <laughs> so no, I, I don't bewail the past. Some of the past was good, where you, yeah, you could have good friends who did more talking one-on-one and, and real interpersonal talk without computers and, or phones, right? You just talked and you met and you talked and you laughed, you know? And things like that, you'd have those times. But a lot of folk literally uh, fell by the wayside because they were written off by the system. They really didn't want them anymore. And all they had was, when they brought in the drugs in the 60s, was drugs or booze. Basically, that was alcohol. And uh, that destroyed so many people who saw no future. And as again, when Thatcher came in the 80s, well, in the 70s, late 70s and through the 80s, she said, there's a generation in our lifetime, growing up in our lifetime, who will never see work in their lifetime. Get used to it. She said in a speech, that's the plan. So you better start taking, I would think, some notice of the system in which you live. Remember, too, that Aldous Huxley said to Wallace on interview, he said that the people will come to love their servitude. That's what he, he said he was afraid of because the techniques were so perfect. And youngsters today think it's just fantastic, don't they? They've never had the whole world at their fingertips, really, with the gadgets. And it's all paid for by mum, dad, or somebody is paying for it. They're entertained to death pretty well. They can have all the fun they want in life, they party and sex and so on. It's all... That, that is the norm now. That is, there's no hush about or even being quiet about it. It's all just promoted everywhere you look. And therefore, uh, you're in a different system already, you see. It took, I don't know, 20, 30 years to, to bring it to this stage from the, you know, 
but it's all here and there's no embarrassment. In fact, it's rather, it's probably risque to even invite folk over today if you have a couple. And another, they might be just kind of wild and, and it's just too, well, a bit disgusting and, and not polite talk, put it that way, you know. And when you, when you hear that kind of talk in company, someone's making a play for somebody else, maybe next to you. <laughs> That's how it works. But everybody knows this. Now, getting back to the, to the Huawei thing in China, as an example, for instance, of, of what we see is the, the kind of farces that go on. In Canada, apparently, on behalf of the U.S., with, with whom they have an extradition treaty, had um, arrested the basically the, 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 the financial officer, like they call it, for that company, who is the daughter of the man who, who created that company, that Huawei in order for to extradite to the States. I don't think she's been extradited yet, but really, I mean, on the, and then she might have been, or the stuff that might have been spying in the States. This is the, this is the excuse they're using. Well, but China's been manufacturing pretty well all the computers since, since 2000. What's wrong here, right? Come on here. Well, they might have back, they might have back doors, etc. into different, well, hey, we've lived through a, countless stories, actually, over the years, uh, put out by our own governments on all the back doors that they mandate must be in all our computers. So it's just a fight over who can spy on us or something. I mean, if we're sharing all our data in this global system, what's wrong? Why, why are you excluding China? Huh? And, and since China's often making the computers, most of the laptops have always been made in, in a, I think it's one factory that makes all different brands in China for us all. And... Uh, as I say, I don't think there's anything out there that, that, that can't be hacked into. I really don't. In fact, so many articles, over, that's about all I know about computers, really, is that they're all easily hackable by those who understand what they're doing. But different whistleblowers over the years who've gone into in great detail all the different backdoors that are already built in and other ways to, to come into your, to your computers. And also, you have the same thing with updates on the, the, the normal systems that you have too, and authorities often hijack them and jump in at the same time. Uh, you, you can't stop it. So that it doesn't make I don't think it's to do with what they're telling us. It could be, certainly, that uh, someone that's after the whole market, maybe an American company or, or a friend of America or something like that, there'd be some other reason why why this is happening, because it's big, big money for, for business, isn't it? And of course, China retaliated by cutting the importation of Canada's canola oil, as an example. And I think 40% of that canola oil from Canada uh, was always deemed for sale to China. So this is how it goes when it comes to big business and power plays and all the rest of it. But as I say, I, I'm not quite convinced yet that what the authorities have said is the reason is actually the reason at all. I'm going to put up tonight to an, uh, an awfully good article on Huawei. I was very impressed, really, by the by the. It's almost like college campuses are putting up across the world for those to study, people to study, and students to study. But uh, so well laid out, and they've copied old architecture, which is user friendly. I can't stand these monstrous modern monstrosities of glass that folk are stuck into. There's nothing I can relate to in them. But you take the old buildings, and they've been awfully, awfully well awful put up, awfully good. And uh, you got to hand it to them. They, they understand psychology, too, and they certainly can. I'm not, I'm not praising China. I'm saying they understand psychology over their own people, too, don't they? And they understand what works, and their people works across the waters everywhere else, too. Of course it does. 
But yeah, everybody wants to control everything about us. And don't forget that China was picked, and the UN said it itself. And there were countless documentaries out years ago lauding China and how it re-picked itself up by the bootstraps and so on, uh, and how it was a model state for the world by the, according to the United Nations. Well, nothing's changed. And whether we like it or not, the whole world is planned to be completely unified in a single system and if it, if it takes 10,000 knots to make it happen, rather than just one big one, they'll certainly do it. It takes a bit longer. Or they can bring it along with the threat of destruction, etc. Or again, sustainability, sustaining the planet. But we're all here together. But we're all, all humans must come together. We're not fighting the UFO invasion. We're fighting, we're fighting the climate change, you see. We're all involved. You see, that's what they chose. Now, let's go to some of the articles here very quickly, of course. I'll put these links up, remember, for those who want to follow it. And that's all I do, is for those who are asking the questions, at least I can give them the data as to why things, have happened, why things are the way they are. How did we develop it till now? What made it happen? Where are the organizations that made it? Where did the planning come from, etc.? How did they implement it into society for changes, etc.? That's what I do. And it stops a lot of people, I hope, from having to go through the hell of killing themselves, youngsters especially, with uh, active brains, knowing something's just wrong with the way things are presented to you. And they don't kill themselves with drugs or, or alcohol, because that's what will happen to a lot of them if they don't. And there are people who, who need to know things. It's just that their minds are different. That's the way it is. They don't just accept things. They say, oh, well, you know, they want to know. And that's a good, healthy thing. It's just like the Old Testament. You have the, the Old Testament, too, had people... Who, who studied history, of course they did. And the so-called old prophets used to go up to kings in the Old Testament and, and dress them down for doing wrongs and so on because they knew these wrongs would end up no good for the people. Uh, you, need, you need these old characters, you know, once in a while to come along and say, hey, wait a minute here, we better think about this. This might happen, etc." You do, You really do. But we're being trained to believe in experts, like Russell said they would do. And until most folk, literally they're brainwashed by pretended experts who are just, just really as blind as everybody else. They're the blind leading the blind, but they're well paid to lead you along pre-planned paths for their masters, obviously. Anyway, birth strikers, meet the women who refuse to have children until the climate change ends. We'll put that up tonight. And for those who want to see it, this is your propaganda, you see. And it saves the planet and sustainability and all that kind of stuff, etc. And uh, it's all fodder for down the road for social work departments and psychiatrists and therapists who will deal with the people who are just living in hell and depressed because they missed out on and things that later on they'll find they might, they might have enjoyed or needed, in fact. I guess a good cop-out too, isn't it? When the TED Talks, an article about them, uh, you, have, you have twins being studied. Twins are always studied for different things because you get so much information from genetics and so on. But it says two twins with contrasting lives reveal the secret torment faced by millions of women and how some of them are just crashing in the work system and other ones are doing okay, etc., etc. Because we're under so much st- stress to, be, to succeed into things perhaps that are really irrelevant to us. We're told to have status, you see, approval and status, but when so much is piled upon you, maybe it's time you start serving yourself sometimes. Otherwise, it'll, it'll destroy you. It's not for everybody.
also psychiatrists must ask children, they say kids here, but kids are young goats, about social media use. So it, it dehumanizes them, naturally, the terminology. And it says uh, uh, they must consider the impact of social media on all the children they assess for mental health problems. Again, experts say, you know, this this priesthood of experts always tell us these, these things, you see, how we should think and all that. But But it's true. They know all this stuff. They know what's going on. They know how we got to be where we are, actually, already. They know this stuff. Cannabis, the, the wonders of cannabis, of course. Everybody's in, you can't you listen to any news anywhere on radio or anywhere, on our TV, I'm sure, but without the cannabis. How wonderful it is, because now the big multi-billionaire companies are involved in it, and big, big wealthy folk are involved in it, and we're advertising it everywhere, aren't we? Mm. Now, it's good, and smoke from that is wonderful. Tar is thicker but, uh, than cigarettes, but don't, they say it's wonderful, the experts, so it's wonderful. There you go. That's, that's your reality today. Member of Parliament, Victoria Atkins, accused, this is quite an interesting little story, of hypocrisy over legal cannabis farm. This is a, a, a member of Parliament in Britain, and she's a drug minister, right? It says... Uh, Victoria Atkins has been accused of hypocrisy on a grand scale over her husband's involvement in a legal cannabis farm. And this is Paul Kenward, who is married to the MP for Louth and Hornscastle, is managing director of British Sugar, licensed to grow non-psychoactive cannabis. Well, you, see, once you get that, you can get the other one too, you see. And this is the home office said, Ms. Ms. Atkins declared the fact in Parliament when she was appointed minister in 2017. Now, she was picked for that position because she spoke out about drugs. <laughs> but once they start legalizing it, everybody gets, they suddenly, they have a change of heart, you know. Just a, oh, I've given it more thought, you know. And a, hmm. <laughs> it's amazing how money can just change opinions very quickly. It says, Peter Reynolds, president of Clear Campaign for Cannabis Law Reform, said, it's not just a conflict of interest, it's hypocrisy on a grand scale. The reason she was appointed... Theresa May was looking for someone who was a hardline prohibitionist, he said. But she had a change of heart, as I say, when her husband said, you know, we can make millions here. It, it just, it just, it's very persuasive, you know. <laughs> there you go. Uh, so that's one article on it, too. And this is other ones that's quite, quite amazing. It's in the Daily Mail today. Tory party as Conservative Party deputy chairman's uh, dancer turned barrister, which is a lawyer in Britain, cousin. So, so this deputy chairman's lawyer cousin, he, but he used to be a dancer, <laughs> buys a $4,000 acre farm in Sierra Leone to grow and import cannabis after obtaining a license to make drug for use in medicine. It's medicine, for goodness sake. He'd be dancing on that shortly too, I'm sure. But um, I couldn't, I, sometimes I used to give talks about it's things you couldn't believe. Uh, it's like someone, I've been asked before about Osama bin Laden and so on, you know. I think the man supposedly in different articles and different papers over many years said he was dead about 40 times. At different times, too. Uh, including the early one where he died because he apparently had kidney failure, bad kidney failure, according to the French at the time. He used to go there to get renal dialysis done and so on. Anyway, I said, I'll believe everything they tell me. I said, when... Uh, when they explained to me that in the U.S. and Canada, all you got, all you got for all those years was Osama bin Laden. Osama bin Laden. 
Osama, Osama, Osama. And then they put in a guy as a president in America called Obama. Obama versus Osama. I mean, you can't make this stuff up, folks. You, you really can't, can you? You can't. Hmm? What's the odds of that? What's the odds of that? Hmm? And then you have Tory party deputy, is this chairman, right? Whose cousin buys a 4,000 acre farm. Well, the politician, this politician, James Cleverly, the MP, uh, this guy, that's his cousin, right? James Cleverly, clever as in clever, cleverly, right? He's a member of parliament for, hold on to this, he's the MP for Braintree, Braintree. Mr. Cleverly is the MP for brain, as in brain in the head, right? Tree. Who makes this stuff up, right? Huh? And his cousin has been awarded a contract because I, I don't know who's dishing out the licenses, but it might even be Britain for other countries too. But it's for medicinal use only, you know. And, and yeah, so there you go. It's uh, it's amazing. All rights are wrongs and all wrongs are rights. And this is the age we live in, isn't it? And that was all, again, part, I think, revelation, wasn't it, in the Bible? And people scoffed at it. But we're living through it. <laughs> wrong would be right and right would be wrong, etc., etc. Isn't that something? And the governments that were taught to, to fear, don't forget it, we're taught to fear governments. That's what it, how it runs. Everything's fear. Uh, it can just change their mind when it suits them. And the first ones who always get in on the act are those who work for government. Same in Canada, on the big cannabis boards and so on. Huh? But there you go, Mr. Cleverly's cousin, Mr. Cleverly, who's MP for Braintree, uh, yep, okay. Uh, but it's only for his cousin's only going to have it for medicine. So you know, they, they, you know, that's what it's for medicine. Also, U.S. officials ordered Chinese company that's one too to sell the popular gay dating app Grinder over security concerns. So it's a Chinese company. I didn't know that either. Don't know what these apps are, but the fact is they're afraid now. Or maybe it's already out, we'll never know. We'll never really know. Because I know intelligence agencies uh, try to get everything on folks' sexual habits for blackmail purposes. That's what they've always done, eh? This is Beijing Kunlun Tech, a web game developer founded by Zhu Yahoo, has been told to sell the dating app over fears the Chinese government could access user data. Everybody, I'm sure, could probably, everybody, every agency in the planet could probably access the user data. For I'm sure they could. So the Committee on Foreign Investment envisioned scenarios where personal information could be used potentially to blackmail defense contractors. Interesting, eh? The company paid $93 million for a 60% stake in 2016, acquiring the rest two years later for $152 million and is looking to get twice the price they paid. So that's the excuse they're using for it. Very old tactic is, is blackmail, of course, by all countries. They all use it. Will threaten to, to expose you to whatever, and that's it. You know, okay, I'll do whatever you want. Acute illness associated with cannabis use by route of exposure, an observational study. And Andre Monte, MD, PhD, Shelby K. Shelton, they've got their, their letters behind them, of course, and they're qualified people. Put an article out University of Colorado School of Medicine, Aurora, Colorado, and Rocky Mountains Poison and Drug Center. Denver Health and Hospital Authority, etc. Stacks of uh, folk took part in this here, it says. And they got big grants for the investigation, but it says 
they're tasked with reviewing the scientific literature related to the public health effects of cannabis use and exposure. So they're all getting paid to, to read. What they claim, and this is such a joke, is, is they don't have enough data on it. They've been studying this stuff since the 40s, you know, literally. And they know exactly what it does. And, and even on, on post-mortem and autopsy, they, you actually see this. The stuff actually goes into the brain, eh? Into the, where the, um, the cerebral spinal fluid will go up into it. And, and uh, you can actually see the tissue uh, it's brown, it stays brown forever And it can, it can actually widen It's well dilated too with it because of it Anyway It says that uh, they're, they're really investigating On a big scale Because there's so many problems coming up already Which they have to They probably could take, get more pills out to, like, like they always do with any drug They bring out stuff to deal with side effects Of different drugs Well there'll be a whole new industry On when folk get odd side effects Etc too, you see but it says to describe and compare adult emergency department uh, visits related to, to edible and inhaled cannabis exposure. Because there's a lot of problems with it. It says there were 9,973 visits with an ICD-9CM or ICD-10CM code for cannabis use. These are crisis occurrences. Of these 2,567, which is 25.7%, visits were at least partially attributable to cannabis, and 238 of those uh, were related to edible cannabis. So the visits attributable to inhaled cannabis were more likely to be for cannabinoid uh, hyperemesis. That's vomiting, excessive vomiting syndrome uh, that happens in some people because of cannabis. And so they're breaking it all down, you see, trying to find out what's causing this in them. And uh, the, only, the only antidote really so far to this problem they've got is, is, uh, is stopping altogether. Once it starts, uh, you could, you'll get it every time you, you, you take uh, cannabis. They've got a lot of money involved in this too for the big, those involved, the people involved. A mysterious syndrome that makes marijuana users violently ill is starting to worry the doctors. And the new study documented a sharp rise in emergency room visits linked with marijuana following legalization in Colorado. And one of the key drivers of the ER visits with mysterious syndrome characterized by severe nausea and repeated vomiting. So it's uh, the only way to cure it is to stop using it. They still say, they say they're still not sure what causes it. And it gives you some people who end up uh, literally un- getting uncontrollably sick and then uh, going to a bath. Those, those can scald their skin and so on. They don't even feel it initially. And one person's done it for the third time in a, in a row, and uh, it's because of marijuana use, apparently. Some folk are having seizures with it, uh, nausea, nausea, and so on, and dizziness, and very similar to, to minor strokes, and so for some of them, in fact. And it says, two, uh, 2004, a team of emergency room physicians in Australia detailed her experience anonymously alongside a handful of similar cases in the same region that year. And nearly all the cases of people described an illness that uh, cropped up suddenly, often after decades of normal marijuana use. And, and some of them, for the feeling, you know, for, for that they had with nausea, it says that a piping hot bath sometimes were their only relief. Interesting, eh? And uh, anyway, they're calling it the cannabinoid hyperemesis syndrome, or CHS. And emesis is like emetic, basically or emesis, I suppose, is to do with the whole syndrome, 
including the the rashes and so on. Well, and vomiting. They also get stomach problems, nausea, and 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 then permanent pain. Some of them in the stomach area afterwards. Yeah, there you go. Anyway, there's some articles. I'll put them up for those who want to read them because it's. And if you're using it, it's good to know. At least you can watch out for it. Or you, or you may be able to see in other people or, or your children or friends or something If anything happens You know, it's put in the right direction If it starts to happen to them So they can get help, you know And a mysterious syndrome In which marijuana users get violent ill Blah, blah, blah I've got two or three articles on it Another article I wanted to put up too With, uh, you've all heard about the, the pay to get into universities The top universities and Ivy League and all that To, to set you up there this, this is, I'm surprised even bring it. It's so common, it's always been common And across the world it's very common in some countries I think it'll get actually worse There's more, more of a rising middle class in some countries up here uh, They won't think twice about bribery and so on And payoffs to get their all the qualifications in the right universities they want But there's an article here too about some I mean you, you can pay for whatever you want and uh, going through university If you've got the money, big money and here you can get your, your thesis, your PhD thesis written for you too. Uh, we'll write your PhD thesis for £6,173. And uh, all the way from actually between £2,559 and £6,173. So there you go. It's pretty widespread across the world, I'm sure. But Britain, uh, British uh, universities um, are stacked with people from across the planet too, with money, big money. As I say, there's a rising middle class and... Uh, they got money to spend, so there you go. This is the rise of robot authors, it says. Is the writing on the wall for human novelists? This is robots now are involved in uh, in writing novels. I knew for a while, ages ago, they were, they were writing small stuff, you know, small stories and stuff. Now they're, they say they're making awfully good ones for stories. But you take that, right, that's computers, and getting back to universities. I felt guilty when I got my results. This is your stories of buying S's. Politicians called ministers want to get tough with students who buy, they have to get tough for the ministers who also bought them, who, who want to buy custom-made work from essay mill websites. And the readers, some of the readers share their experiences. Tens of thousands of students are believed to have bought essays online and submitted them to university tutors, a practice known as contract plagiarism. And last week, uh, Joe Johnson, university's minister, called for new guidance to be issued for the next academic year, including tough penalties for students who buy essays and strong warnings about the consequences. So they're trying to get uh, experts to study them now to, to find out uh, if they can spot if these are written by the, the, for the people and so on. There's a lot more involved in all of this stuff. And uh, that's the way it is, eh? Now, back to this China U.S. spat, basically. Interesting, you, you, you'll see the, the, the rah-rah articles, too, uh, of the U.S. It says the Air Force recently deployed six nuclear-capable B-52 bombers to Europe for theater integration and flying training exercises with regional allies and NATO partners, a move viewed as sending a strong message to Russia. So that's the European part, right? And then they, they talk about the B-52s. The B-52s been going forever, you know? And apparently they're going to use them for another up to use 2050. That's the big agenda, big plan there. Interesting, because they're uh, amazing. They must be awfully well maintained all the time, naturally. 
But another one, U.S. Air Force B-52s participate in large exercise over, over Norwegian Sea. They put um, uh, another group back into Britain, into near RAF base in Britain again. They'd all been taken out a while back. Now they're back again, so kind of semi-permanently perhaps. Who knows? I'll put the article up too. And also, Stratofortresses, that's the same ones, right? Be the B-52H Stratofortress, they call them. Where they fly sorties over the South China Sea. And it's the first since November, it says here. And so again, Russia and China, Russia and China, as big corporations, obviously. Or maybe not so obviously. It might all be a farce for us to, to believe in. Who knows? Eh? I was very sceptical of the, the so-called Cold War in Europe, to be honest with you. But... Um, Big corporations make a phenomenal amount of money making missiles and, and, and weaponry, which you never have to use, so you don't have to prove it that it's worth the, the billions that each, each plane will cost you, or the missiles for that matter. So it's just great profit for the companies who make them. They, ne- they never had it so good as they did during the Cold War. Anyway, so there you are. They've they got the articles they got the help to do with them flying over near China, of course, in the South China Sea. And uh, over Norway to to, to warn uh, Russia, apparently. And we're, it's almost it's a new cold. I remember one of the first talks I gave, gave years and years ago, and I was asked about Russia that, that had had um, suddenly just given up, just like blast from the past, you know. And at the end, uh, you have the dad uh, saying, "Oh, that he was because he'd been living underground in a, a shelter all those years." And he was told that it was all over with Russia, that they, they, they'd, they'd forgotten about communism and dropped it. He says, oh, so this gave up and went home, eh? So the dad was told, oh, it's all over. It's finished. They just gave up. He says, they gave up. It's like that. It's like that, he says. Yeah, that's what happened. And of course, the dad starts uh, pacing out on the, on the surface the, the plans for a new... Underground shiller. <laughs> but I said one of the first shows that, that, that um, if they need the, the, uh, an enemy, they'll just resurrect the, the bad bear again, you see. And that's exactly what's been happening. Uh, governments tend to lose, especially corporations, they start losing uh, a lot of hold over the public. Remember, uh, one of the things that they tell you why you need government is, yeah, you need to keep the peace and so on. If they would all follow it themselves, but they don't. It's a different reality for those up there as to the, as the ones down here. And you find that they, they don't follow the rules that they, they make you follow. They never do. And yet they want you to believe in democracy. And don't forget that Plato said it himself. He says, there's no such thing as justice. There's only the, the appearance at times of justice. You, know? you must give them a show, but there's, there's no real justice. I think of the generations that have been used and abused by governments down through time, and it's horrific, absolutely horrific story. When you look, for instance, at how bureaucrats at the stroke of a pen can change thousands of families uh, we are living, for instance, traditional, we are, like the farmers across Europe, uh, when, when, they, when they did that with, uh, with the EU dairy compacts and all the rest of it, put them all under, they, they put them all under. Families that had been maybe fifth, sixth, seventh generation all went under because bureaucrats decided they couldn't sell the milk and so on where they normally sold it or butter and like that. That's bureaucrats for you. And it's, it's rather sad. So government is really a different creature than, than, than what you think it is. 
But one of the big holes they have on, on when it comes to nations is we're here to protect you. Without that big threat, you see, they lose a lot of power over the people who start to, ex- to, to, to almost demand more freedoms. When it's peaceful, folk will demand more freedoms of different kinds. So you've got to keep uh, something going to, to frighten the public to, in order to say, well, I've got to protect you. And they always find something. So I, I, I hope we're not in for, for another 40, 50 years of a Cold War uh, tit-for-tat kind of trade deal and spite for you know, it's, it's, they're all spiting each other and uh, rather it's better than smiting each other certainly but they certainly spite each other and it, it's not a good way for being it really isn't and we'll never get told the real reasons behind it but I think it's partly control and I think it's also big 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 business obviously kind of sad and it, and it would be fantastic to live Way in the future, it? just to see how everything across the planet really works out eventually, wouldn't it? And uh, as I say, you, know, you won't stop it because it's planned this way. But at least it'd be good to document it, just to see it, to be quite, quite interesting. And life should be interesting, shouldn't it? For myself, Alan Watchman, here Canada, it's good night. I mean, your God or your God school with you.